Hey everybody, welcome again to F This Movie, the official podcast of FThisMovie.com. Scary movie love for scary movie lovers. My name is Patrick Bromley, and I'm super excited for this week's show because I get to talk Shaun of the Dead with Rob DiCristino. Hey Rob. Sorry, Patrick. What? I don't understand. No, I'm sorry, Patrick. Oh, yes. Ew, gross. Farts. I'll stop doing it when you stop laughing. <laughs> How you doing, Rob? Good. How are you, buddy? I'm okay, except for all the farting going on up in here. It's Scary Movie Month, and my bowels will not be restricted. <laughs> uh, scary Movie Month going well so far. Thank you, everybody, for participating in our Scary Movie Challenge. Every time Woo! you watch a scary movie in the month of October, go to fthismovie.com, find that day's post, and leave a seven-word review. No more, no less. I arbitrarily decided on seven a decade ago, and we have stuck with it, goddammit. And uh, seven just feels like the right number. Uh, yeah, uh, uh, it's very important in the Game of Thrones universe, so I support it. How is it important in the Game of Thrones? I've read the first two books, but I'm no further. So the seven, there's the seven gods, right? There's the seven kingdoms. Uh, uh, all right. This, you know, that's as far as I'm going to go. <laughs> seven I wanna, kingdoms I wanna, I'm familiar with. I wanna, there's seven I wanna, gods? Well, in the in the in the the new religion of the of Westeros, there's the oh, old boy. gods where you worship a tree, but then the new gods, there's seven. I could name them, but I won't because I can't remember two of them. <laughs> have I not gotten to that part yet? Maybe maybe you haven't. The third book is the best one, so I don't know. Oh, all right. I don't know, well, I don't know I got, what you're delaying on. I got that like, waiting for me. <laughs> <laughs> I got seven gods to learn about. I needed a break from uh, Game of Thrones. I switched over to the new Stephen King. So. Mm. Yeah. Shocker! I know, right? Uh, wait, what is, wait, wait, wait! What is the new Stephen King these days? The Institute. Okay, okay. How is yeah. it? It's okay so far. I'm still yeah. not at the point where I totally like. I know what's going on, but I know there's a bigger picture, and I don't know what the bigger picture is yet. Mm. Story of my life. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, but speaking of uh, the scary movie challenge, you want to read some seven word reviews? Let's do it. All right. Monkey says of Pet Cemetery 2019. At least they got the spelling wrong. <laughs> uh, Miko Vinica, who, by the way, has been tallying up yes. the seven-word reviews every single day and posting it on Twitter. So thank you to Miko, because that is a job that no one wants, and uh, we are very fortunate that you have volunteered to do that. Uh, for Slumby, Slumber Party Massacre 2, guitar drills a metaphor for guitar penis. <laughs> Aaron Keith of The Perfection. There's some great performances in this two-hander. Boom, two-hander. Get it? I do. Yeah. If you've seen The Perfection, that one's it's, hilarious. Spoiler alert. <laughs> um, have you recovered from The Perfection yet? Uh, in, in uh, Emotionally, intellectually, or sexually? <laughs> sexually, because, no. I was talking no, about no. the hair reveal. <laughs> no, 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 I never will. Yes, yeah, I joked to Patrick and Adam over text when I saw The Perfection that the end hair reveal of The Perfection did things to me that, no, I still have not recovered from. So ah. thank you for that. <laughs> um, Dan Snyder says of Chud. Oh, I, I got a lot of political ones this week, by the way. Um, from days before Chuds wore MAGA hats. <laughs> a lot of people went Cul political and i picked them yeah. all look at you cullen of the tingler showing people your tingler is very unprofessional jan peters of creep show came for creeps stayed for the show <laughs> all right so this one we have to split okay because it's our own mike pomero oh uh, yes you know which one i'm gonna read um I'm going to I'm going to announce it and say who says it but then you have to read it because it's yours all right so Michael Pomero says of house 
Actually, Mark Jones says of House. Oh, I don't remember what he said. Oh, like I would have called it Shed or something like that, right? I would. All right, hold on. I'll do it. <laughs> I would have used a Shed. <laughs> Sometimes I think about Mark Jones, just like how that came about, and I laugh to myself that he's like a character on this podcast. <laughs> It's like an Eddie Izzard sketch. Like it's like it's like him and 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 Timothy Dalton and like all the Bonds. Like there's <laughs> right. this like cast of characters, you know, the Wishmaster cast, and like everybody is there. It's really yeah. fun. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, all right, I have two in a row from Tales from the Dark Side, the movie, um, which a lot of people I think were watching after the podcast that Adam and I did. So that was exciting. I appreciated that. Uh, Daniel Epler says of Tales from the Dark Side, the movie, gargoyles faithfully making sure husbands keep secrets. <laughs> TJ Mackey 432 says of Midsummer gives new meaning to blood orange juice. <laughs> oh, uh, Jonathan Becker of Tales from the Dark Side the movie. Dinner, baked woman and cat stuffed man. <laughs> Mac McIntyre says of Climax, maybe the Puritans were right about dancing. <laughs> Jennifer of Prevenge, motherhood is a cutthroat but god damn it. <laughs> motherhood Start over. is a cutthroat sport, you know. <laughs> Jan B says of One Cut of the Dead, a gory, heartwarming Matryoshka doll of zombie movies. Now, I had to look up what a Matryoshka doll is, and it's basically the Japanese version of a Russian nesting doll. So thank yeah. you, Jan B, for teaching me something. I didn't pick that one because I didn't know how to say that word. I Googled it. You're a better man than I, sir. Thank you, Jan. Uh, Brian Sager of Creepshow 2, another one inspired, hopefully, by last week's podcast. Another political one. Poncho's Supreme Court nomination should go well. You're 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 pushing political buttons this week. Yeah, Pat. listen. Feeling... I'm an instigator. Okay. I finally had enough. <laughs> That's, I'll tell you what. That last thing that happened. That was the last straw uh, for me. Man, that last thing. Uh, the one. Bef the one before the last thing. Before that, right? No, just the last one. Did you see uh, the thing today? Oh, that thing! I couldn't there's, believe that thing today. There's a thing. In the last hour that you got to check out. We're done. <laughs> Can't I just wait till the next hour? <laughs> uh, we're all going to die. Brett Cullum <laughs> says of Psycho 2, lose one mother, just find another mother. Joel Edmiston of Bed of the Dead. Can't believe I slept on this one. Uh, Will Benson says of The Pit and the Pendulum, went over my head. I got it eventually. Hey, very nice. Mac McIntyre of Scream 4. Nancy Drew could have solved this. Oh, wait. <laughs> Marcus Killerby says of House of a Thousand Corpses, Cinema Sins. Film only has 956 corpses. Ding! I love the ding. Um, <laughs> I have Marcus Killerby's two other Rob Zombies, and I'm just going to read them right in a row. Do it. Uh, one for the Devil's Rejects. Nobody puts baby in a coroner's. Uh, and the <laughs> other for Three from Hell. America is not sending Mexico their best. <laughs> Sorry, I hadn't seen the coroner's one, so that one was new to me. That's really, that's really funny. Uh, Will Benson says of Revenge. Oh, no. Holy shit. Oh, wow. Yes! Very nice. Just how I feel watching that movie. Um, Cullen says of Tenebrae, thwarted by the world's worst coat rack. <laughs> Big Boy Recliner says of Hereditary, such is life. Head today, gone tomorrow. Oh, Kyle Clark of Scream. Who needs Dewey when you have Gale? Reed Strickland says of us, dad's bad boat motor topples doppelganger dad. Wow. Uh, Lindsay of Creepshow 2, comic books don't kill people, blubs do. <laughs> Sony Mansfield. It it said blub. Blub, blub. Blub. Sony Mansfield says of Chopping Mall, Johnny Five is alive and he's pissed. Hmm. 
Uh, Mac McIntyre, this is one after your own heart. Of Nina Forever, I have a thing for paramedics now. It's true. Yes, it is. Uh, the Ghost Galleon. I'm sorry, wait, hold on. Uh, John Hillman <laughs> says of the Ghost... I had a gap in my Google Doc. I hear John you. John Hillman says of the Ghost Galleon, this is why blondes on... Well, let me start over. That one was just a disaster. I'm sorry, John. <laughs> John Hillman says of the Ghost Galleon, this is why blind zombies shouldn't sail. Now, to make that one even worse, I've never seen the Ghost Galleon, but I really like that one. Have you seen the Ghost Galleon? I have, yeah. Okay. I'm not going to ask you to explain why it's funny on air, but later. But anyway, good job, John Hillman. I like it. uh, The blind zombies are like a metaphor for Russian nesting dolls. (laughs) Uh, John Guts of Lady in White. Always put your hat in coat sleeve. Frank Levesque says of Splice, if you can't kill it, fuck it. <laughs> That's words to live by. Um, I'm out. I don't know if you have more. Oh, I have so many more. All right. Okay, yeah, uh, go for it. Our own Rosalie Lewis says of Dawn of the Dead, 1978, get to the chopper before zombie shoppers. Ooh, very nice. Good one. Uh, Adam Risky says of The Haunting, 1963, kind of more the talking about The Haunting. <laughs> Paul Newman, 1989, says of Torso, really delivers on the promise of torsos. It totally does. Uh, let's see. Uh, uh, Eric Aspersleiger says of Gothic, 1987, those nipple eyes are going to haunt me. Uh, Cullen says of Audition, frankly, that Audition could have gone better. <laughs> Jeremy Wickett says of Halloween 3, Season of the Witch, Carpenter's Alcohol in the Mouth of Adkins. Uh, let's see here. And I will read one more. Uh, okay. Kyle Clark says of all the colors of the dark anxiety, take two black masses, then call. Very nice. Very good. Very good. These are super fun. You guys, thank you for, for always writing really good ones. Cause they're fun to find and fun to read. Except for when I stumble over my words. Like yeah, I, I did too. It's fine. We're only human, Rob. We started this one over three or four times because Patrick kept messing up guys. No, it's we, not we recorded whole shows. Yeah. We got right to the end. <laughs> and then, I, then I blew it as we were saying goodbye. And so he was we... obsessed with politics. He kept, he kept looking at his phone. Did you see the new Listen, thing? Listen, have like, you heard about – oh, I'm insane. I'm trying to focus on Shaun of the Dead here. All no, right. not me. I'm distracted by politics. <laughs> well, uh, hey, Rob, have you seen anything scary lately? And I don't mean that last debate. take that pod save america s my d (laughs) everything is on fire hey (laughs) you know what's really good um so uh so you were you were talking earlier about the seven word reviews inspired by your and adam's uh recent show or the ultimate creep show which was excellent fun to listen to well done um and uh i was among them i watched creep show two for the first time the first Uh, time i can't wait to hear your thoughts you can keep that one. <laughs> um, I I talked I think last year or the year before about my I, I I didn't grow up with Creep Show and and I always feel like that's a deficiency on my part and you know we all have different experiences but when I watched Creep Show at age thirty or whatever it was like I was like I would have loved this when I was twelve like I I can appreciate it for what it is and I like it and I think it's well done but I'm like it just didn't hit me because if I had seen it when I was the right age like the age that I saw Poltergeist when my neighbor was like pulling me into the room to watch Poltergeist with her because I would not watch it and she got a kick out of like making me terrified like that's when it really would have hit me but I, I always felt bad that I hadn't I didn't see Creepshow when I was supposed to so I like Creepshow a lot uh, Creepshow too. 
it just didn't work for me. I, I don't yeah. really want I mean, there's no really no sense in it's not an unpopular opinion. I don't think um, we, you guys were talking sort of about conventional wisdom being that the raft is the one that salvages it. And I, you know, the raft was okay. I, I, I don't know. I just, I, I wasn't maybe in the right headspace for it, or I just was seeing better stuff this month, but Creepshow 2 didn't do anything for me at all. Not so much. All right. Um, what did do something for me, though, um, in more ways than one, um, Hello, Mary Lou, Prom Night 2. I watched ah, yes. First. Um, that movie fucking rules. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, again, the first Prom Night, you know, I get it, but... Nostalgia. No, it's yeah, it's nostalgia is, yeah, nostalgia is one thing, and quality objectively is another. And I, you know, it's fine. I'm not talking shit on prom night, but prom night two is good, man. Yeah, it like is. it's good as shit. I really liked it. I that thing with the blackboard. This is my my uh, seven word review. The thing where the girl gets sucked into the blackboard and it becomes like a, a swimming pool and sucks her in and stuff. That was amazing. That's a really cool effect. Really, that's like a that's like a West that's like a Nightmare on Elm Street effect. Like yeah. that's that's like him coming through the wall. Like that was really good, um, and I really liked it. I, I, I mean, I liked that it's 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 kind of politics and not not politics like your politics, Patrick. No, not, please, not. But it's not edgy know, politics like mine. Right, we're talking like '80s gender politics in a slasher movie, um, and I I really enjoyed it a lot. Michael Ironside, of course, is always fun to see. Um, and I don't want to really get too much into it, spoil too much of it, but I really, really enjoyed it. I thought it was – I guess I had always heard it was good, um, but I, I was – I sort of threw it on. I was running through my shutter queue, and I was like, yeah, I'll watch this one. And I was – it's one of those things where at first you're not paying attention to a movie, and then you realize about 15 minutes in, you're like, oh, wait, this is a movie. Like, right, this is good. Right, 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 Um, So I was super, super, super happy with that one. This one doesn't have a – U.S. Blu-ray, does it? No, it does not, which is a okay. crime. Right, I don't well, think it has any Blu-ray anywhere in the world. I can't even import one. Yeah, let's bump that. Let's let's bump that. Let's make this show a Hello, Mary Lou, Prom Night 2 bump. Now, my question to you is, have you seen Prom Night 3, uh, what's it called? Is that The Last Kiss? The Last Kiss. I have. Also, which also stars Mary Lou. Um, oh, shoot. I'm thinking of four, Deliver Us from Evil. So maybe I haven't oh, seen three. Well, there's a four. Okay. I've seen four. It's not great. Okay. All right. You but have not seen three. I don't know. If I've seen three, I don't remember it at all. Okay. Is it? Is she playing the same character? Apparently. she's The, the cover is her on a motorcycle with a, with a motorcycle-looking dude. Um, yes, it is the same character. Wow. Uh, no, she, then I definitely haven't seen it. She returns to the land of the living to date some more dudes, I guess. But uh, so wait, so Prom Night Four is doesn't have Mary Lou in it? Uh, no, I don't think so. Okay, unless no, I watched I'm it all wrong. Not interested. Do you ever listen to How Did This Get Made? Yeah, yeah, yeah. They have a good episode on uh, Prom Night Two. Okay, maybe that's where I've maybe that was this one that like Manzukas likes. Yes, they, I think okay. they were all fans of it, but in particular him. But they get so very hung up on like the incest angle. Okay, so that's probably why. Well, yeah, that's kind of weird, but <laughs> whatever. Um, that's probably where I remember hearing and also like film Twitter and stuff. I'm, I I know for at some point I heard that it was like a it was kind of it was really good, but um, and I know that's like you're out there thinking like, of course, idiot. Everybody knows that, but you know, we all have our own speed that we run at. People, that's right. Like, I've never seen Prom Night Three. I mean, yeah, I we mean, all have blind spots. Come on, you know. 
but um, no, I really, really enjoyed it. Um, I, that I, was, again, uh, I, I believe it was the season finale for Joe Bob this year too. Was it okay? Yeah. All right. See, I didn't. Was it? W- wait for the marathon or for the? Cru- no, I think uh, for the for the, oh, the weekly show. show. The I weekly show. Okay. Right. I know I he to- showed it. I feel like it was the season finale of the weekly show. Okay. All right. Um, I'll check that out then because I do want to watch it again and it'll be fun to watch it in that context. I, did, I, I don't like to watch movies for the first time with Joe Bob just because – No, it's you, not the way to watch a movie not for the first time. It's like you know, Mystery Science Theater. It's not exactly. Really the way, but, right. Um, but no, I no, I really, really enjoyed Mary Lou. I thought it was really um, – you know, it's one of those movies that's like inventive in ways that – I mean it's a fairly conventional slasher plot. But the ways that it can be creative, it is creative. And that always makes it uh, that always elevates it, a yeah. movie like that a little bit, you know. Um, I really enjoyed that one a lot. I I, I also watched uh, the Slumber Party Massacre for the first time. Okay. I think I enjoyed it. I watched it. <laughs> I watched it as a part two of a very very late night double feature with a friend, and I fell asleep for about the middle half hour. <laughs> That's not to the detriment of the movie, uh, but I, I remember waking up and thinking that was pretty good. <laughs> so I don't know if that's a solid recommendation or not, but I wanted to watch it because I know it's one of the only slashers directed by a woman, right? Yeah, one of it's a, like one of one a of the few, only yeah. classic. You know, I mean, from that from the eighties era. Um, era, but era era era. Uh, I, but, I uh, highly but, recommend if you enjoyed Slumber Party Massacre at all. I highly recommend you watch Slumber Party Massacre two, okay. because it is definitely the Hello Mary Lou of the series. Ah, uh, all right, all right. Same director or no? Just goes crazy and in its own direction. Cool. All right, adding it to the list. Yeah. Awesome. I believe it's cool. also on Shutter. Okay, great. Um, yeah, and then the other ones I, I talked about my my favorites so far this month with Adam uh, last week. Um, excision i really really liked and uh, excision's got that speaking of um nina forever excision's got that kind of nina forever kind of uh uh sentiment uh not sentimentality uh, sensibility um i mean it's more graphic but uh and then one cut of the dead i thought was awesome but uh i talked about that already so you can go back and read our reserve seating from last week yeah other than that, I was telling you before we went on. Um, I've just been rewatching stuff. This this scary movie month, I just I'm doing what feels good, and I think we all need to do that every now and again. So I've rewatched a bunch of stuff. I've watched Silent Hill twice. I don't care who knows. Twice, it. wow. Oh on yeah, the, well, I got the, new, the Screen Factory. Disc? I got the new Screen Factory blue. That was my that was my scary movie month uh, uh, present to myself. Okay. Uh, so I got the Screen Factory. So I watched it with the, the new comp. There's a new commentary, and Ooh. I watched it with. That was actually the first the the um I watched it with my friend Garrett the other night because we he he was he's also a fan. There's two of us, um, <laughs> and he hadn't seen it in a while, so we watched it. Uh, and then I watched it with the commentary a couple of days later. So how's the commentary? Uh, it's fine. It's nothing a Silent Hill super fan doesn't already know. Oh. But you know, yeah, <laughs> pinky to uh, uh extended from uh, teacup. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> that's a vi- that's a visual joke that you can't you right know, no i got yeah. it i got it you got, you got uh it. Right. yeah you guys should go back and listen to our silent hill podcast from last year that was so, fun uh I, I had a good time with that i don't know if i'm gonna revisit that movie we'll see you don't have to but just everybody everybody <laughs> go back and listen to the podcast because i think i make a fairly cogent argument in the film's defense you definitely did plus rada mitchell right and right. Spoilers, and this really isn't a spoiler. Sean Bean doesn't die in it. It's a movie that Sean Bean is in, in which he does not die. Does he die in the sequel? He does. Okay, well there you go. <laughs> I actually was gonna. One of my articles this week, this month, was gonna be why Silent Hill Two Revelation or whatever is not good. But mm-hmm. I, 
I would why 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 do that? Why waste my time? Right. Yeah, truly. Why, why watch Silent Hill 2 when I could be rewatching Silent Hill? <laughs> I mean, there's got to be other interviews and and special features yeah, on that disc yeah. you haven't yeah. gone into there's yet. Some, I bet there's a, some Easter eggs. Like remember remember in the old days when you could hit like a combination of numbers on your DVD player remote I and do. it would pop open a new thing on the disc and that's what I'm that's what I'm hunting for. I know the good people at Screen Factory will not let me down on that. I was just thinking about this because I had been watching our Cabin Fever Blu-ray because I was listening to the new commentary. And by new, I mean it's probably 10 years old at this point. Um, but they had recorded a new commentary when the Blu-ray came out. Um, but the old DVD had a weird Easter egg where if you went to the scenes, if you went to the last page of scene selections and let it play like four times, this weird bird with Eli Roth's head would come out. Ooh. And you press and like talk, and then you press enter, and then a whole scene plays out with like Deputy Winston having a threesome with two women, and then they all get the cabin fever. It was the weirdest thing. I couldn't figure out why it was on the disc. Holy shit. I think this was back in the day of like DVD Laserdisc newsletter, uh, which I used to buy every month from Tower Records, and I would sit at Taco Bell and read the whole thing. And uh, I think that's the only reason I even knew about that Easter egg because it's certainly not the kind of thing you're going to find on your own. Only at Taco Bell with the... <laughs> that's that's where you find these things out. Back off, ladies. <laughs> um, no, I miss that. I see that's one of those things with, the, you know, again, we're not going to talk, go into the whole physical media thing, but, you know, somebody, I saw some clickbait thing probably on Reddit or something the other day. Somebody was talking about the top 10 reasons why DVD is, you know, you'll miss DVD or something. And the number one thing was like, because bonus features, and I know if you buy a movie on iTunes, you get the little things, but you're not as compelled to look at it if it's not on a menu i don't know i was always honestly the biggest thing for me and actually rewatching Shaun of the dead this week which i still have my like original dvd of it um the the dvd music the the sort it's sort of just ambient noises of zombies i remember kind of watching a lot of different movies when i was younger and uh being compelled to switch over to different things on the disc just to either s- stop the music on the on the disc uh menu or keep the music going like right. one of those two things like, right Shaun of the Dead is one of those discs that reminds me of that. So, um, but anyway, yes, I've watched Silent Hill twice this month. Wow. You? Uh, what have I seen? Um, I have also been rewatching a lot of stuff because, as I said on last week's show, like Erica and I have been watching a lot of stuff. A lot of the stuff has been like the first time for her. Um, but uh, I've seen a couple new things or a couple rewatches. I saw a movie called Marla which is a new indie um, written and directed by and starring uh, a woman by the name of Lisa Van Dam Bates. And it is the first killer IUD movie I've ever seen. It's about a woman who gets uh, a guy offers a, a woman a free IUD. So she has that implanted and then when she goes to have sex with her boyfriend for the first time, he dissolves from the waist down. <laughs> and um, I don't think that's a spoiler. That's kind of the premise of the film. And then I won't talk about where it goes from there. It has, you know, some of the limitations of indie filmmaking, but it's showing me something new. The effects are good. The lead performance from Lisa Van Dam Bates is interesting. And, you know, it's... 
saying some things about female contraception and again, you know, gender politics that you brought up with Hello Mary Lou. Uh, I think there's a lot of that in there. So I thought it was interesting enough. I think it's worth a watch. I don't know when it's coming out. This was a screener that I watched, so I don't know when it's going to be widely available. I'm guessing it'll get kind of a VOD release, but you know, people should keep an eye out who, who are interested in that kind of indie horror. That's awesome. It looks like looking at her IMDb that she's a effects artist a lot. She does a lot of effects artists. Okay. Uh, excuse me, a lot of effects on uh, on different movies. Um, that makes sense given yeah. this movie. Yeah, makeup and special effects. Looks like she's got a lot of credits on IMD for, IMDb for that. Okay. Um, that's awesome, though. I, you know, that's really funny. This, I was thinking about um, – I was watching something on YouTube, and there was an ad for that. Uh, what's that? the new movie about the app, the killer app? Oh, my God. I can't think of the name of it, but as soon as I saw the trailer, I texted Adam and was like, this has your yeah. name all yep. over it. I, I, I literally comes like, I cannot wait for Adam to see this. I just want to <laughs> – I don't, I don't want to see that, but, you know, the, I, I don't want to see the movie. I just want to read Adam's review of the movie. For sure, it's going to be his favorite movie of the year. Um, so Marla May, for some reason, killer IUD movie kind of sounds like that too, where it's like, yeah. you know, as, as, as you know, women's contraception and stuff moves into this new phase where we have to, for some reason, defend it from evil forces. <laughs> um, I like, I really like that idea. That's, that's really cool. Okay. So, um, you said it's not out yet. You watch the screener. Yeah. And, and okay. the version that I saw was just called Marla, but IMDB letterbox everywhere else has it listed as Marla May. Yeah, yeah, IMDb does too. Okay, okay cool. Yeah, we'll put perfect. it on the list. Okay, good. Um, awesome. Last night, after revisiting Shaun of the Dead, I felt like rewatching Land of the Dead, which I haven't seen in a couple of years. And, uh, you know, it's like the fourth best Romero zombie movie of six. Yeah. Um, but I think there's a ton of good stuff in it. I think it leans a little too hard into being a, a dumb action movie when they're introducing all the SWAT team characters and they're all like, you can call me Motown. I'm like, I'm not going to call you Motown and <laughs> get the fuck out of this movie. Um, yeah, it's a little, you know, it's like he got a chance to make a studio movie and was like, well, this is what's in studio movies, right? <laughs> is this kind of dumb shit? And he's not wrong, but, uh, it's there's enough good stuff in it that I still like the movie a lot. Okay. Yeah. I haven't seen it since what? 2006, 2005, 2005 I think is when it came out. I think I saw it probably in at a theatrical release, right? Uh, yeah. Oh yeah, for sure. Yeah. yeah it was a yeah, universal yeah, yeah. movie. It okay. Pretty yeah. Wide, I know. Yeah. I'm pretty sure. Yeah. I'm almost positive. I saw that in a the theater, but I don't think I've seen it since I remember Dennis Hopper. I remember that was like, I was going through a John Leguizamo thing at that period. I remember. Listen, we've all been there. <laughs> we've all been there. We all saw it, Spawn, and we were like, "Who is that guy under the what? clown makeup?" Oh, God, is he? Oh God! Oh, that's can I the get pest. more of him? The pest. That was the, the movie I was going to. Also. Wait, 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 wait. Was the pest? Was that ninety-seven? That sounds about right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, so the so Spawn and the pest were the same year. I love it. Ninety-seven was the year of Leguizamo. Leguizamo. Johnny Legs. <laughs> Um, what came out around that time, and I'm being rhetorical because I'm not going to put you through that, but I, oh, maybe, uh, I don't remember what it was. There was something that came out recently that made me want to like go back and revisit all this Leguizamo stuff. So I remember being excited that he was in that. Um, but yeah, no, I haven't seen it since, since the theater probably. Something that he was in recently? I, yeah, there was something in 2005, there was something that he was in, or maybe I was seeing it for the first time. I don't want to go down this rabbit hole cause I don't, I have, I have no idea what the answer is and it's not going to be worth it to anybody listening. But, um, there was something that made me like super excited about Leguizamo 
and in, two, in 2005 in 2005 when i saw it yeah yeah assault like, on like, precinct 13 that might have been it maybe the remake of the honeymooners i know for sure i saw the remake of assault on precinct 13 before i saw the original uh movie shame sorry everyone that's all right um it may have been that i honestly don't remember it's not important was but, this when you were on your big ice age kick yeah <laughs> yeah back in my ice age days yeah. <laughs> you were a total age yeah, head so. Look, we all <laughs> that that squirrel. He just gets me. <laughs> he just understood. Yeah. I, you know what? We are all a squirrel on an ice floe. That's right. Looking for a walnut or something. I didn't see the movie. I don't know what it's about. No, there's like six of them too. I remember I, the. Tra- I haven't I seen any of them. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, because you'd go see something else, and all of a sudden you had to sit through five minutes of a squirrel yeah. trying to get a nut. Yeah. Not cool. Which, Not cool. Yeah. Ice Age. Yeah, 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 yeah. Problematic. You, you problematic dick. Yeah, fuck Ice Age. You know what? <laughs> if we're getting political on this podcast, Patrick, I'm going to go out on the limb. Fuck you, Ice Age. Are you saying yeah. that? Are you saying that climate change is like not a real oh, thing? Yeah. Oh yeah, yeah. Uh, uh, excuse me, Patrick. If uh, if there's global warming, yeah. why is it uh, why is it 45 degrees outside yeah, my window thank right now? You. Oh my god. Why like, is there even an Ice Age? Yeah, like come on, like much why, less you know? six of them. Yeah, I'm drinking a cold drink right now. Oh, global warming. <laughs> where are you at? <laughs> we're all gonna die uh we're all we're all fucked um so what else did i see uh i don't know i've just been rewatching a lot of I stuff can, i can pull up your letterbox if you don't remember. you could yeah you could just quiz me and be like what'd you think of this what'd you think of this one what'd you think of this um yeah i mean it's all stuff i've rewatched. you know we watched arachnophobia with the kids last night and that was really fun Again, mostly because Erica just screamed through the whole thing, <laughs> having seen the movie before. And my son, who's 10, just kept saying, like, Mom, why are you scared by this? This isn't even scary. He was very proud of himself that he wasn't scared by arachnophobia because he's actually way into spiders. He really likes spiders, which That's is a problem right. because we're both terrified of spiders. Um, but, yeah, Erica was screaming through the whole thing, which made it lots of fun. I, do, I wasn't there for that, but I have watched RoboCop with Erica, um, <laughs> so I know how much fun it can be when Erica's not expecting something. <laughs> well, we I we I showed her Day of the Dead this week because I think I had commented maybe on last week's podcast that we had watched Dawn of the Dead, and she was like kind of freaked out by some of the gore effects, and I said, "Oh God, wait till you see Day of the yeah. Dead!" <laughs> like that's nothing. So we watched Day of the Dead, and she was pretty uh, fucked up by it because. Day of the Dead is it has some fucked up stuff in it. That thing with the vocal cords? Oh my god. I yeah. saw that way too young, and that's oh, yeah. one of those things that stuck with me. Like his, his scream gets higher pitched as the vocal cords get pulled out. And that's I, even so as I could barely remember most of the movie, I remembered that specifically. And uh I was I was way too young when I saw that. I have no idea how I would have encountered the climax of Day of the Dead as a kid, but I sure did. Hashtag Joe Pilato. Hashtag Joe Pilato. Hashtag choke on him. <laughs> uh, all right. Uh, so let's talk Shaun of the Dead. Do it. Um, I remember seeing this in 2004 as a sneak preview. Mm. Uh, yeah. They like did a weird sneak of it one night. And myself and Erica and Mike Pomero and his wife, Christy, uh, all decide and possibly Doug. I think we all were like, well, let's go see Sky Captain and the World of Tomorrow because that's like that opening this weekend. I'm not as big a fan. I like that movie. Um, so we saw it opening night. Don't worry. 
And, but we figured out like either before or after, well, let's just pop in and see, I think it was after, like, I think we saw Sky Captain and then we popped in to see the sneak preview of Shaun of the Dead, uh, knowing almost nothing about it, just knowing that it was this British comedy and like a poster had called it a romantic comedy with zombies. And in 2004, I was like, well, that's so novel. What a neat idea. I want to see that. Having no expectations whatsoever, walking out of Sky Captain a little bit uh, deadened, C- I think. Careful, careful. Uh, <laughs> careful. And uh, just being knocked the fuck out by Shaun of the Dead. Like, it's. I know this may be a controversial statement. I don't know. It's still my favorite of the Edgar Wright films. Um, I think it's pretty close to perfect. I'm right in the same boat. I think for a long time I had Hot Fuzz as what I thought was objectively the best one of the Cornetto trilogy. I and I love Hot Fuzz. I mean, there's no doubt about it. I I think on this rewatch, I rewatched Sean that last night, and I was like, it, this is a perfect movie. It's there's nothing. I I, I think you're probably right. I love 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 Sean the Dead. Um, I actually didn't get to see it until. Uh, video and I remember being at a blockbuster probably on like a Friday night with friends or something and we would go into the blockbuster and rent like three or four movies and then go back to a friend's house and watch them and I remember seeing Shaun of the Dead on the shelf and thinking kind of cynically oh look at this ripoff of Dawn of the Dead because it, right <laughs> t- it was right around that time of the new the, the Zack Snyder Dawn of the oh, Dead oh yeah right and I remember thinking, like, oh, is this, like, an asylum-type, like, <laughs> rip-off, like, capital? And I was so, like, on my high horse about it. Like, I fucked that movie. Like, and so I – but I don't remember what it was, if we rented it that night or later or whatever it was. But, I mean, fast forward to whatever, 15 years later, and I probably – I was talking to friends earlier. We probably have the movie memorized. I mean, we could probably yeah. do the movie from beginning to end. It's that – it's that good. Um, and it led me to – I mean, Edgar Wright is one of my favorite directors. He's he's just I, I, the things that I like about filmmaking. Edgar Wright does better than almost anybody that I enjoy. Like of, of in terms of like specifically like movies that feel like they're made for me. I have lots of you know things like directors that I like, but Edgar Wright does the combination of all of them in a way that I just for me anyway, no one has really replicated. And I obviously know he's got influences he's 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 you know in some cases ripping off other directors in in some cases he's paying homage but i mean if you ask me kind of who does uh how do i say it who does formal you know comedy there's that great every uh, every frame of painting uh video on edgar wright and visual comedy and how nobody does uh, formal comedy like using the frame right. <laughs> using music using editing in, in as well as he does at least in, in modern with modern directing um this the the story structure i'll get into because i have all kinds of notes on that um which is you know because you know me i'm a story guy and i fucking love 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 the way this movie is structured um it turned me on to spaced uh this is when i when i first discovered spaced um which we had to get shipped over on like a region two DVD at the time. There wasn't a region one release of it yet. I think that might've been the first import DVD I ever had. Um, so spaced, uh, was, you know, if you don't know, if you're not familiar with spaced, uh, it's the TV show that Simon Pegg and Nick Frost and Edgar Wright and everybody did before, uh, Shaun of the dead. Um, it's one of my favorite sitcoms. Uh, there's, 
cast members all over Shaun of the Dead. You see uh, Jessica Hines, who played Daisy on Space, is the um, Yvonne, the other, you know, the other, uh, the friend who Sean runs into. Mm-hmm. You know, glad, glad somebody made it. The way she says Sean every time she yeah. says Sean <laughs> will never not make me laugh. I had a big crush yeah. on her when I got into space. Oh, she's the best. Yeah. Um, Julia Deacon, who plays Marsha, is in her group. Um, uh, Michael Smiley, who plays Tires, is one of the zombies. So there's like literally a reference. And um, and obviously, like Lucy Davis and Martin Freeman are both in the movie, and they're both from the British version of The Office. They play the, the Jim and Pam of the original Office. So it's like this amazing, like, you know, mix of all these British comedy people who maybe I may, I may have known some of them, but really, I mean, I, I have to imagine watching Shaun of the Dead. They were all new to me. Um, it also got me into Dylan Moran's uh, show, uh, Black Books. Have you ever seen Black Books? I have not. Oh, my God. It's fucking great. You would really enjoy it. It's um, Dylan Moran who plays uh, David, you know, the the sort of asshole uh, in Shaun of the Dead, plays like a, a kind of a... Uh, anti-social uh, bookshop owner and Bill Bailey is like his underling in the bookshop and it's it's really really good there's it's it's there's probably like maybe you know it's a British show so there's probably only like 12 episodes or something like that but it's really really good and turned me on to all these things and um, I've never had a more fun theatrical experience probably actually there might be my my top two theatrical experiences was going to see Hot Fuzz after being obsessed with Shaun of the Dead for yeah. so many years yeah. in 2000, what, 2007's Hot Fuzz, right? That sounds so right. So I, I remember the buildup for Hot Fuzz and like sitting in that theater and being like, I cannot fucking wait for this movie. Like knowing who was in it and who had made it, like, and it hit all my buttons. And then I saw The World's End as part of the Cornetto trilogy. They were doing that, you know, they were doing a marathon, um, which was like the perfect way to see The World's End for the first time. And, and I just, I, it just really, really, I, I can't I can't tell you how much this movie is so much a part of my like filmmaking vernacular. Like as a as a film teacher, like I was I pull so many clips from Edgar Wright's work and most of them come from Shaun of the Dead. So um it's a really, really special movie to me. And um I was shocked that we didn't cover it yet. So I was like I jumped on it right away when yeah. we were trying to figure we were trying to figure out what the podcast on this month. I was like, Oh shit, Shaun of the Dead, let's do it. Well I was trying um, to think about why this it's like this and Hot Fuzz are probably my two favorites, and I think some of that has to do with – because I think The World's End in a lot of ways is a more sophisticated film um, in terms of what it's about. And I think it has more to say about friendship and and uh, the past and even you know alcoholism or whatever. Yeah, I think it has – yeah. yeah, right. I think it has a ton of things to say. Um, and I think Shaun of the Dead and Hot Fuzz, as much as I love them both, are a little bit more slight, which I don't mean as a pejorative. But I think part of the reason why I love Shaun of the Dead and Hot Fuzz more is because they're speaking a language that I'm more interested in because I love horror movies and I love action movies. And that's what you know these two movies yeah. are. Um, so I'm more drawn to those two films, you know, in particular I would Shaun argue, of the Dead. I would argue that Shaun of the Dead and Hot Fuzz are almost prerequisites for The World's End. Like I, I kind of feel like you have to go into the world's end with a background on these guys. Like you kind of have to be already comfortable with with Simon Pegg and Nick Frost. And I, because I, because I, I, I agree with you. I agree with you that the world's end is is my my least favorite of the three. But I still think it's an incredibly good movie. Yeah. And I like you said, like it's incredibly mature, sophisticated. It's got a lot on its mind. I almost feel like you kind of have to have the good 
you know, the, the good feelings toward these guys going right, into it to right. kind of give it, give it a chance. I would definitely not recommend The World's End to be anybody's first Cornetto movie. <laughs> um, I didn't see Spaced until the, I tried to, like, download it, I think, before it was available in Region 1 DVD um, and maybe saw the pilot that way. Like, I think I downloaded an episode off of LimeWire or something like that. But, uh, <laughs> was it Kazaa? Yeah, I never had Kazaa, but I definitely had LimeWire. Um, and I was not a fan of downloading things, and I, you know, am still not. But at that time, I was like, I have no other way to see this show that I hear about and I want to see more of. Um, so, yeah, when that amazing DVD set came out in the U.S. with all the commentaries and stuff, I definitely bought it and have watched it probably four times. I mean, it's like one of the best shows of all time. Oh, I love um, it. But in a way, I'm, I'm kind of glad that, like, I hadn't seen Spaced. I hadn't seen fistful of fingers you know like this was my introduction to edgar wright so for me it was like this voice that came out of nowhere and talk about a film that's like so confident um right out of the gate like yeah. it is just not fucking around at all um it is just first class filmmaking i um i just had another note i was i was thinking about my overall love for this and you know i grew up such a kevin smith fan and I keep thinking. You, about, I'm so sorry to interrupt. You didn't happen to go see those Fathom screenings, did you? No, no. I didn't no. either. No, I. Uh, I forgot they were happening. Honestly, October. I really wish they would have switched. Yeah, right. Three Why from Hell and, and the Jane Silent Bob reboot and done that in September, and maybe I would have gone. But I can't. I Kevin Smith right now. I swear to God, I feel. I, I, I I'm such a Kevin Smith defender, and and. I, he can't do right for me right now. I don't know why. I he makes he, I go. Oh, I don't want him to repeat the same shit. So he makes yoga hosers. I'm like, well, that's fucking weird. I don't know about that one. And then he's like, he makes Red State. I'm like, well, come on, man. Like, you maybe out of your comfort zone a little bit. And then he makes this, and I'm like, nah, no interest. Like, I'm 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 broken. I'm the he's he's doing his best. I just can't figure out what the hell's going on. All right. Um, but no, I'll see it eventually. I've yeah, I've not seen Jane Silent Bob reboot yet, but um. My point with that was like the the, the viewers universe. Like I was so in love with this idea of this interconnected universe of movies, and even though they don't technically take place in the same universe strictly, like the Cornetto trilogy was kind of this same interconnected universe. You know, like by the time I got to Hot Fuzz and the the jumping over the fence gag came back, I was like, "Well, hold on, <laughs> like, right, right, wait a minute. This is this is so much my language." And I mean, it's dumb, but like, it's one of those things that it's like a warm blanket. It's it's you feel so comfortable, you know, when you're like, "I know I'm in good hands." It's one of those movies where I'm like, "I know I'm in good hands." I know when I'm watching this, you know, and, and I'm, I'm look, I like Peg and Wright. And Nick Frost, I like everybody separately. You know, I, I obviously love what where Simon Pegg's um, career has gone in terms of Star Trek and uh, in terms of Mission Impossible and stuff and the stuff he's writing and all that. I don't think that Edgar Wright or Simon Pegg are as good as they are when they're with each other. Um, I, I like Paul. I think Paul's okay. I oh, I forgot Paul. I, I you know he wrote that with Nick Frost. Yeah. It's fun. I, I, I it's not. It's not quite, you know, I don't love it. And then you flip to the other side, and I know it's a sacrilegious. I still don't love Baby Driver. I, I, I want to love I want to love Baby Driver. Baby Driver is pushing so many of my buttons, but there is something messy about it. And that I, I just, for some reason with Edgar Wright, what I want is the writing. I want the symmetry. I want the language of film. And Baby Driver is, is, has got so many great things about it. But I, I don't think that Edgar Wright and Simon Pegg are as good separately as they are when they're together. Um, 
there's just something about the way they write together and the way they perform together that is just like it's 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 magic. And well, those scripts, the three scripts that they wrote together, are like airtight. Oh my god, they're so airtight. And you, have you ever? You've probably watched the the bonus features where they they show you the the um they they do not they don't do like a a, a whiteboard with like story breaks you know breakdowns. They do like a flip chart. Where they have like everything, all the characters and all their beats like written on separate pieces of paper, and I don't know on every one of the discs. If you can, you can probably find it. They'll always go through the flip chart. Like here's what, here's what, how basically how we wrote the screenplay, and they show you all the arcs and all the setups and payoffs and how wow. they all align. Um, it's brilliant. I mean, it's really you know, like I said, I have a whole I I love 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 the screenplay of this movie and um, that symmetry and that kind of it's like a it's like a Mobius strip like the way everything sets up pays off sets up pays off and you know me I get hard for that stuff so <laughs> I I really 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 don't I I don't know I'm, I'm it's turning into the Chris Farley show but I just oh, it's gonna I, be it's gonna yeah, be that don't I, worry. I I just love the way they write together and seeing and I mean, I know I love Scott Pilgrim but Scott Pilgrim is different source material scott pilgrim comes from the source material really what edgar wright had to do with that was direct the shit out of it and he did um but in terms of writing and directing and so on i just they're so perfect together that i just wish they would just i wish they would just keep going yeah me too (sighs) he's not simon Pegg is not associated with this new movie right which new one the one oh, that his, oh, doing. his uh, no, not that I know of. Okay. No, and 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 I can't. Like, I mean, listen, I'm a. I'm, I mean, I'll see anything Edgar Wright makes. I'm oh, not. Of course, I'm not trying to downplay Edgar Wright. I mean, I think he's amazing, but there is just something about this particular way that they work together that really, yeah. really, you know. Um, Last uh, night in Soho is that what it's called? That's what it's called. Last okay. night in Soho. Yeah. Um, Real quick, just weird trivia. I was looking up. Uh, I like the foreign titles, the foreign translations, because obviously the pun of Shaun of the Dead doesn't translate everywhere. Um, in Russia, the movie was called A Zombie Named Shaun, which is weird considering he doesn't <laughs> turn into a zombie. Uh, in Spain, it's called Zombies Party. And in Latin America, it's called Dead by Laughter. I like Dead by Laughter. Yeah, Dead by Laughter is my favorite one, too. <laughs> um, what do you think of... Just all right. So, what do you think of generally of Simon Pegg as a leading man? Because at this point, we've gotten to see him kind of as the lead—not leading man as in romantic, but like well, kind of like leading man as in like Simon Pegg is going to carry a movie. And we've gotten to see him do so many things in that respect, and we've gotten to see him play you know a side character. Like, which what's your how much Simon Pegg do you enjoy? Because I know people who kind of have a limit with him, where they're like, ah, I can only take so much of him. I think, again, I think it depends on the writing because I've seen him yeah. be a leading man in these Edgar Wright movies, and I think he works really, really well, in particular in Shaun of the Dead. I think that character is so well-suited for him because he's basically playing his character from space. Right. Right. He's is Tim, is that his name? Tim Bisley. Yeah. Um, he's basically playing the same character. I mean, I, I'm not as big of – I'm not as in on Nick Angel, right? Because I think Nick Frost is really the character that drives Hot Fuzz as more yeah. so than uh, Simon Pegg in that movie. But I think he's – incredible in the world's end um but then i've also seen him as a leading man in movies that don't work like run fat kid run or Mm. how to lose friends and alienate people and or uh uh, unspeakable fear of everything or which i haven't seen but i've seen that the one with him and lake bell it's like a romantic comedy and i'm a lake bell fan but i was not into that movie yeah um Slaughterhouse Rules. He plays like the headmaster in that. That movie's and not good. You talked about that in a column somewhere. Yeah, yeah, that movie's not good. Okay, 
um, yeah, so, uh, you know, I've seen him in movies that don't work as a leading man, and I don't know that it's his fault, but he doesn't win me over the way he does in these movies. Because, again, the writing is so good, and because he's so much in his element. So, I think, I think with him it kind of depends on the material, whereas I think, as a supporting character, I think he's able to make almost anything work. I mean, he's got that, he's sort of got the Q role in the Mission Impossible. Right. Which, you know, kind of trades on his kind of geek bona fides and stuff. Right, and then, right. um, which I think that really works. And really he gets well. the biggest laugh in, uh, in Ghost Pros, right? When he comes in, like, after they've just finished scaling the side of the building and he comes in, like, woo, you would not believe what <laughs> oh, I yeah. had to do. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's the biggest laugh in the movie. Um, where are you on? So, how much does the actual like the story stuff like like i've got all these notes and all of them are about like thematic stuff and the way like lines of dialogue match up with what comes later at what point are you finding yourself i'm not not necessarily in this movie but in movies that try to do this where like it's it's constant setup payoff setup payoff where there's a cyclical nature to the story so i think some stories do that really well and some stories don't do that well at all um let let me put it this way this movie is an like it uses the zombies as an allegory, right? And we talk about zombies as allegory all the time, and we talk about you know them standing in for something, you know, to going back to you know Night of the Living Dead and so on. Um, and clearly, this movie is about you know being in your twenties and having to grow up, and and all the things that get in the way of having to grow up, and responsibility, and what it means to kind of take on the world, you know, um, in, in a way that leaves behind a lot of the stuff. When I was watching the movie this time, I was watching the scene where Sean has to kill his mom. And, and of course I, I'm heartbroken watching it cause it's one of the bits of drama in the movie that really, really works. Um, and I kept thinking to myself like, Oh my God, like he has to kill his mother to grow up. It's one of those things right, where like, he, right. he, it, this is part of him getting out of the nest. Like this is, you know, same thing with making peace with his stepfather and, you know, letting his best friend go and all those things. And by the time they get to the end of the movie and, and they're in the basement and Ed says to them, I think you two should make a go of it. And they rise up out of the elevator and it's just the two of them. And you think back to the beginning of the movie where um, Liz is saying, you know, I just want it to be the two of us. And then uh, Jessica Hines shows up and she says, you know, glad Sean! somebody made it. <laughs> Sean! She says, glad somebody made it. Just the two of you then. And they hold hands and you're just like, holy fuck. Like, yeah. Oh my god! And you know, I didn't get that when I was in high school, but like I'm watching it now. You know, as an adult, I'm going, "Oh my god, it's so good! It keeps getting better." (laughs) Well, there was there's there's a bunch of lines of dialogue that like last night I was noticing probably for the first time. I'm sure I've noticed them before, but things like "Next time I see you, you're dead." You're dead, yeah. Or you know, go live in the shed. There's that um, whole thing where Ed, when Ed is trying to console him when they break up, where he basically goes through what they're going to do. It's like let's have a bloody mary in the right. morning and have a bite, uh, you know, the, something about the king's head, and then get grab a couple princesses. Like it's basically the plot of what comes next. Right. Um, I, I've seen that in movies before, where I'm, you know, it, it's a hard thing to gauge because obviously the first time I saw Shaun of the Dead, all of that stuff was lost on me, right? It's not until you yeah. see the movie a second time where you're like, oh, okay, I see how this pays off. But I've definitely seen it in movies before, and maybe it's just with clumsier writing or less assured filmmaking because a character will say something like, those cigarettes are going to be the death of you, and I want to blow my fucking head off because I'm like, oh, now I just have to wait around 90 minutes until somebody right. dies because 
uh, they go to light a cigarette and it explodes or, you know, so it, action movies are famous for that kind of stuff where we have this obvious setup only to have the more thuddingly obvious payoff later on. It, it's like all the Star Wars prequels. Uh, yeah, I suppose. You'll I, be the death of me, Anakin. Oh, uh. Jesus. <laughs> well, see, and that's that obnoxious prequel shit. And prequels yeah. do that all the time where it's like, right. get it, get it. Because those presuppose the audience's knowledge of certain things. So that shit I can't stand. Or like that line in The Patriot with Mel Gibson, like it's a free country <laughs> or, well, it will be or whatever. It's like, get fucked with that, you know, yep. uh, stuff like this. I don't fault because I'm watching it just as dialogue the first time through. It's not until the second or sometimes third time, apparently, um, that you really start to pick up on the nuances. And you're like, again, I, I always think of Back to the Future when a, a screenplay is like really yeah. tight like this with this kind of foreshadowing and stuff. Um, and there are worse movies to which you could be compared. Oh, absolutely. And that's that's probably the best comparison for this because, again, there is that um, – I, one of my notes is sorry. Hold on, I gotta find it now. Um, oh, this screenplay is a sexy figure eight curve of perfection. <laughs> um, uh, Peg and Wright seem to think about story structure the same way I do. This is this is yeah. like it's just it's just this is the kind of stuff that I really really love. And you know, again, going back to this idea of the apocalypse as allegory, you know, like uh, there, I love that it's also a hangover movie. Like that's the other thing I didn't maybe get as a teenager as much as I get now. Where, well, how how does he not notice the world around him falling apart? It's like oh, because he's hungover. <laughs> like, just the way they set that shot up the first time, yeah, in that amazing one take shot, and you just just so that we know we're going to do it a second time, and right. we're going to reveal so much plot information the second time. I don't know. I mean, I'm sure I've said this before. There are certain things that have made me laugh very, very hard in a theater. Most of what Hot American Summer, I know I've said, I laugh so hard, I think I embarrassed my wife. But um, Impossible. One of the things I've laughed hardest at ever in a theater was when he slips in the blood yep. in that second take. And you don't even see it. It's just this little throwaway thing. He just <laughs> does this little slip and keeps walking, and it's the most amazing gag. I was too distracted by the whole Coke and Diet Coke thing, which I – and I'm not going to – again, I'm not going to claim to have noticed everything. Nobody can. But I will say that is the one thing I noticed the first time I saw the movie was, oh, the first time he put the Diet Coke right. down and got a Coke. And the right. second time after he gets dumped, he picks up the Diet Coke. But yeah, right. no, that is that is hysterical. I love his – um, Nelson, you got any papers? He's like <laughs> – it's like, oh, I owe you 15p. Like, there's the, there's the change down. And like, I was like, I want to live in a community where there's like a little corner store where I can right. just kind of kind of pay the guy. Um, the other thing I really really noticed this time how much I what I what I really love is the weapons. Um, because everybody knows the vinyl record gag. You know how they they get all this, which which is like such a thing. Batman soundtrack. <laughs> Throw it. Uh, <laughs> second coming. I like it. Um. <laughs> Sade. Let's lizards. Let's just dump you. Again, we could do the whole movie. Like Um I love and, and that's funny because you're like, oh, they're throwing their vinyl records. But like when you think about this whole like, you know, character growth, abandonment of childhood and right, the idea right, that right, they right. are they are they're approaching the problem from the perspective of these slackers. Like, oh let's get you know, let's get some household materials and throw them at them. Let's right. you know, let's get our vinyl records. And then you get to the midpoint of the movie 
um, or, the, or in the midpoint of that sequence, and they start using the blunt objects. And that's when they start to use the cricket bat and, and the shovel and stuff. And then by the time you get to the third act in the Winchester, they're finally using the the rifle. Right. And you're like, I, and of course, the way my brain works, I'm thinking of it like, oh my god, like look at those parallels, look at the thematic, you know, like like oh, you with their their children and their adolescents and other adults, <laughs> you know. And of course, it's just a cool excuse to have a literal Chekhov's gun in your movie. But um, I was called the Winchester, you know, like that whole thing. <laughs> Um, I was just like I'm watching it like in awe, like at the fact that I'm watching this movie for whatever twenty years or fifteen years and still being like finding new things to to love. And it's one of those movies, like you said, that it, it well it grows with you. Like it is a kind of thing where you can watch. You know, I always think of like High Fidelity, where I can like watch High Fidelity when I was in high school, watch it in my twenties, watch it now, and it's a different movie to me every time I watch mm-hmm. it. And but still good. Shaun of the Dead to me is the same kind of thing where I could appreciate the zombie action and all that and all the references like, oh, you know, Forey Electric, like, oh, that's Ken Forey, like, um, or like, we're coming to get you, Barbara, and all that. And that probably, <laughs> you know, that probably helped me, you know. Um, <laughs> you want your messages? Liz rang to say, no, I'm not going to go into it. The, 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 the joke at the end of that about your mom uh, is one of my favorite your mom jokes pretty much ever. Um, anyway, I'm all over the place, but. <laughs> I really, really, uh, yeah, I don't even know where I was. Anyway, this movie's but, good. It, you know what? It is. It is good. <laughs> I wonder if the older we get, the more we'll start to gravitate towards the world's end. Like, is yeah. that the yeah. is that the movie you watch when you get older? Um, so I was listening recently to an episode of Pure Cinema, maybe their most recent calendar episode, and they were talking about Return of the Living Dead, and Elric Kane was saying... Um, he was talking about the difference between good horror comedy. What What is good comedy? What is good horror comedy? And he was saying Return of the Living Dead is good horror comedy because it's – or maybe not even horror comedy. I forget how he defined it, but he says most horror comedy is just comedy with horror elements. Right. Whereas Return of the Living Dead is a horror movie that happens to be funny. Um and you know, there's American Werewolf in London is kind of like that, where it's a, it's a horror movie, but it happens to have funny stuff in it. This right. is definitely much more of a horror comedy in that it's it it's a comedy first. It leads with comedy. Oh, for sure. But I appreciate the fact that it takes the horror seriously. Um, the zombies are a genuine threat, and you already referenced, you know, the stuff with the mom at the end, or even the stuff with David. I mean. It's an obvious reference to Day of the Dead, which we were talking about earlier on this show when they pull David apart. Yep. But the fact that it goes for it, uh, as gory as it is at the end, you know, again, continues to make the zombies a real credible threat. Never are they um, – they're used as the butt of a joke, like when they're throwing the records at them or whatever. But that's because of who the characters are, not because the zombies themselves are jokes. It's that thing. It's the it's the it's always sunny in Philadelphia thing, which is like these are horrible people in the regular world. Right. Like the, these right. people. Like the joke is that the look how you know not bumbling, but like when Ed takes the phone call in front of the Winchester, you know, he's like, I might. Right, know, I, right, got, right. I got nothing. He's like, fuck, fucking off. You know, <laughs> um, that kind of thing to me. Like it leads with the comedy, and the comedy is inherent in the characters, not like look at this goofy world. You know, so the, the zombies are absolutely a threat because the zombies would be a threat. Um. It's also – so it takes itself seriously as a zombie movie, which I appreciate. And, you know, we know because of what zombie fans Simon Pegg and Edgar Wright are 
and in particular what George Romero fans they are. Um, and I've been watching a lot of George Romero stuff this scary movie month. And I think it's interesting that this is one of the few zombie movies I can think of that's good, especially in the Romero tradition, which this is very much in the Romero tradition, where there isn't a human threat. You know, Romero's big thing was always the zombies are are a threat. The zombies are terrifying. The zombies will kill you and eat you, but you know, they're just being zombies. They're just doing what they know how to do. It's the people you really have to worry about. And as you look at Night of the Living Dead, Dawn of the Dead, Day of the Dead, Land of the Dead, all of his zombie movies, or even The Walking Dead, which rips off George Romero, um, it's really the humans that pose the greater threat. The zombies become almost the background threat. And this movie never does that. There is no rival gang of slackers right. that also bust into the Winchester and now we have to fight. You know what I mean? Yeah. It doesn't um, waste time with that. No, oh, is that, that the zombies are the threat the whole time. Is that because the, the human threat is internal? The human threat is probably the characters versus themselves. Yeah. You know, that probably. kind of thing. Yeah. No, for sure. That's totally, yeah. Imagine if they, I mean, they, they wink at it, you know, with, with Jessica Hines, like her whole parallel group. of She's people. having her own adventure, right? She's right. having her own movie, which I would totally love to see. Oh my gosh. Um, me too. And, uh, but yeah, yeah. And she kind of pops in and out and stuff like that. But sure. yeah, it really is. <laughs> sure. It really is them versus <laughs> it's them versus themselves. You know, right. it's them versus the internal, like, I just keep thinking of that, that Mexican standoff with the mom and like when, <laughs> and it's played for a joke, but when, when, <laughs> when David's pointing the gun at Sean and then Ed grabs the broken bottle and points it at David and then die comes over and goes, this isn't exactly fair. And, right. And Ed pulls the gives her the broken glass bottle that he's holding, so he can put it. She can put it up to Sean's neck, and he breaks another one and puts right. it back. Like that is such a like. That's one of those things where it's like the, the the conflict is within the characters. You know, the conflict is is each other, and yeah, the movie doesn't waste time with any of that. In fact, they I mean they wink at it with every single time there's a potential for us to find out what's going on the outside it's ignored right you know like the whole that sort of expository sequence where he's flipping through the tv which is i use an example in film class all the time which is like here's how you do exposition um you know or and, in a car and, chase as james cameron has taught us or or in a car chase exactly yeah yeah <laughs> it, it's terminator terminator it's brilliant um but i love that every single time even at the very end where it's like you know six six months on and we now know that the zombie was caused by and it just cuts the, it just cuts it off like it truly does not matter because the story was about the right. characters the story right. was about sean growing up and and i love i read some shit thing one time talking about it was like in the wake of breaking bad and how people who don't understand breaking bad are talking about the wife and breaking bad being skylar being this horrible character who you know keeps walter white down and i think it was i don't know there's this whole thing but somebody was talking about liz and how she shouldn't be so mean to sean and just let sean be who he is and if he doesn't want to you know go out for dinner then he shouldn't have to and all that stuff and um you know obviously aside from that whole argument making me sick i really love the end of the movie where she you know he wakes up and he says what's the plan then and she tells him all right you know we're gonna we're gonna have some tea we'll get the sundays we're gonna have a roast and then go to the pub you know like it's a balance right so this whole idea of adulthood you know i'm thinking about being a 20 something young guy and being like oh man adulthood marriage means giving up all the things that you love and maybe that's what sean was maybe avoiding too 
you see Liz at the end going like, no, like we just, I just need a balance. I just need 50% for me, you know? Right, right. And, and I love that because that is a clear, that is a much more mature way to look at it. You're not, Sean isn't turned into this like straight laced, like, you know, I'm going back to school, you know, like, no, he's still, <laughs> he's still, he's still fucking around on a Sunday with his friends playing video games, but it's in a different context now. You know, it's not the adulthood is not the end all be all. Adult, growing up was good for Sean. You know, and that's I think that's what really resonates with me now as I'm older, like all these all these character and relationship things, you know, that really, really, really resonate. And and it, it just it just keeps you know, again, it's a perfect movie. It keeps reconfirming how good it is. And Can I, I talk for a second? Well, yeah, please. I haven't gotten to talk enough. No, I've um, definitely seen hot takes online about how the movie is actually not misogynist, but that it allows Sean to just remain in sort of stunted adolescence and has Liz, Liz has to essentially come down to his level at the end of the film so that Sean kind of just ends up getting his way. Um, and I don't subscribe to that. Don't agree with that at all. Yeah. yeah. No, not even a little bit. That's, that's, that's a very easy and it's, very, the movie's too sort- smart to, yeah. to have that be the resolution. And it's it puts, a very short sighted way to look at the movie. It puts, it puts Sean through too much to have it end with. And then he doesn't grow up, right. you know, even though the last shot of the movie is him playing, like you said, is him playing video games in the shed with Ed. Um, it is not making the argument that he has not grown up. Right. It's a balance. Right. And um, I love, and, and then that plays, I think into the, into the the thing with David and Di and, and David having a crush on Liz, like that whole scene where they kind of confront each other. Cause I keep thinking about all the things that Sean has to do to grow up, you know, like he, he, he um, gets over his resentment of his stepfather. He leaves the nest, you know, his mom who we can always fall back on. Of course, you know, he tragically not only has to leave behind, but has to actually exterminate um, and, you know, start to make these concessions for the good of everybody, not just the good of himself. And he really was annoying the shit out of me in the first half hour of the movie. Like, wow, he really is super, not unsympathetic, but like, he really is a slacker. Like, he really yeah. is ignoring his response. Like, the whole thing with the phone. And um, I didn't notice this, but apparently the the restaurant that does all the fish is called Fulci's, which I thought was fun. Very nice. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Thank you, Internet. Um and and that's why like I read another thing about the the it was like something like worst endings and it was the 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 army showing up at the end of the movie is like a Deus Ex Machina it's like a it's like a you know oh that's bullshit like where were they before and you're just like if you're watching movies this way fuck you like don't <laughs> don't watch movies like this like like I said before the point is is it's so cathartic when they rise out of the out of the basement and they're together and it's right. just the two of them and they're moving on with their lives. They're having, they're making a go of it, you know, glad somebody made it like that stuff is so good. Um, I want to mention real quick and we can go back to that topic if you want. Nope. Uh, this, this movie owns don't stop me now by queen. Um, Are you sure? Because I know I saw a movie last year. Uh, I want to say it won a few Oscars. I don't know what you're talking about. Bohemian Rhapsody. I've never heard of mm, You a film. should see it because Is it good? It won Oscars. Look, uh, Patrick, look, I can only get into musical movies if the lead actor is lip syncing. I, I <gasps> You will I, love this movie. He lip syncs his way to Oscar gold. <laughs> are there are there entire uh uh real life events recreated? Um to stand in for narrative importance that I could easily just watch on YouTube. Yes. Okay. It is something. Let me tell you. So that movie to me owns don't stop me now. 
Listen, how sloppily edited is it? <laughs> it won an Oscar for editing. How <laughs> sloppy can it be? The point is that I saw a movie earlier this year, and mm-hmm. I cannot for the life of me remember what it was, but it set an action scene to Don't Stop Me Now. Shoot. Yeah, I saw that movie too. And I was like, what, what are you was it? doing? I, can- I was looking through my letterbox earlier today. I was like, I cannot fucking think of the movie that it was. But somebody had the audacity to use Don't Stop Me Now in an action scene. And I was like, where – what planet are you on? Like I was so frustrated by that because there are certain songs. I mean we've had this discussion before. Like there are certain songs that just belong to certain movies. Certain movies own yeah, – so for sure. Know, yeah. I mean Immigrant Song Now is the Thor Ragnarok song. Like there is – you can use it in other movies. It's been used in other movies. Uh, Fincher used it as the theme song of his – uh, uh, Dragon Tattoo remake, and I really like the Nine Inch Nails version of it. But Immigrant Song belongs to Thor Ragnarok. Now, there's no denying it. Was Don't Stop? Was it in a trailer? Or was it in the actual? No, movie? it was in a movie. I remember it's when I was in Hardcore to- Henry. Did you see Hardcore Henry this year? No, you're, no. I know you're it, fine. It was a, I was, I was. It was in a theater. I know for oh, sure that it was shit. a. It was a it's a 2019 movie. And help us out in the comments if you remember it. Because I'm trying to find it right now. So keep talking. I was so like. I was like, was it, it Bohemian was, Rhapsody? It was <laughs> Patrick. <laughs> listen, we know how much you love Bohemian Rhapsody. Was it? I, I just want to figure out a way me, to talk about Bohemian Rhapsody. You sent me your ballot for the Chicago Film Critics voting, and I know that you put it number one in all the categories, even in categories that it wasn't nominated for. It's in Shazam. Did you see Shazam? That's that's what it was. It was Shazam. Okay. Problem okay. solved. You guys don't need to well, comment anymore. Well done. Shazam. You're welcome. It was in Shazam, and like Shazam's not bad, but like. What are you doing? <laughs> <laughs> That's right. It was in Shazam. Good. Yeah. Okay. All right. Anyway, I did get off that my that off my chest because yeah, that that sequence is great and it is great. I, and I was mistakenly um, because I hadn't seen this movie in a number of years. It turned out so I was looking for it in that first scene in the backyard when oh, yeah. they're when they're beating sort of in rhythm. Um, but yeah, it doesn't show up till the bar. <laughs> Which one do you want? Girl or bloke? Uh, the first one. <laughs> I can do the whole movie, Patrick. <laughs> and I love that they switched spots. <laughs> what do we do now? Uh, have a sit down? <laughs> go, just go turn this off and go yeah, watch. Yeah, go watch the movie. It's perfect. Uh, it's a perfect comedy. All right. Um, standout performance. Favorite performance of yours in the movie oh shoot i mean honestly the one who makes me laugh the most is simon Pegg. like i love nick frost and he's stealing scenes um the one who makes me laugh the most is simon Pegg. the way that he when he goes to look over the fence to see if the Mm -hmm. coast is clear and comes back and his timing on what does he say i don't want to mess up the exact quote it's like, is it is it clear? He says no, and it's like, how many? He's like, lots. Yeah, it's <laughs> the timing on it is just uh, okay. very very funny. I also have to admit that I really like Lucy Davis. Yeah, um, I think she's really funny, especially in the scene where they hand it over to her to direct them as zombies. Oh. Um, I don't the one my one nitpick of the movie and it does make sense given the character standpoint given what we know of the character her running after David 
and essentially killing herself to me doesn't make total sense given where she just was like for most of the movie. I understand it. I understand why she does that and that that's who she is. But given what had just happened where she was essentially saying, I know that you're in love with Liz and I've gone along with it for all these years. um, I don't think the very next thing she does is chase after him. Yeah. Yeah. And it's, it is a little, I don't, yeah, I don't know. There's that whole somebody. This wasn't me to pick up on it, but somebody online noticed, like um, when she says something about "I'm there to pick up the pieces," and so she literally, you oh, know, yeah. fights yeah. her way yeah. through the zombies true, with yeah. his leg. Screenplay is tight as hell. Um, I'm happy not to see her die, though. Yeah, well, I know that there's. I, I know canonically, according to deleted scenes and stuff, she does survive. Oh, um, for real? She. Yeah. So one of the. Oh, that's um, even on better. The DVD, <laughs> on the DVD, there's three deleted scenes that Edgar Wright's brother, whose name escapes me, he's the animator. Barney did. Uh, Barney Barney Wright. Um, he Wilbur. did. I, 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 oh, <laughs> he did and i think it's him who did animated sequences he basically animated the deleted scenes and um or like the scripted scenes that weren't shot one of them is how sean escaped the zombies before he went back to the winchester one of them is i can't remember and the other one is diane how diane survived and apparently she like hid in a in a dumpster and like survived on david's leg or something she was like eating the leg to survive and she eventually (laughs) made her way out the point is, is that i know this is outside the movie but if it makes you feel any better, canonically, she is alive. That does make me feel better, actually. I yeah. love that. Yeah, yeah. She's. Um, if you look on the disc, I'm not sure which version of this you have, but if you, on the, I know it's on the original 2004 or 5, whatever, DVD. There's, like, deleted scenes or something like that. Plot. I think it's called plot holes. It's, like, plot holes. What happened in these scenes? Um, oh, the other one is Oh, so, how, like, CinemaSins. Yeah, like, Simpson. Ding! Um, <laughs> it's, like, how Ed got, how Sean got Ed into the into the uh, shed or something like that. Something stupid, but it doesn't matter. But the point is that Diane does live. So that should, that should make you happy. It does make me happy. I love that. Um, I love Bill Nye in this movie. Um, I think his delivery of, I ran it under a cold tap is one of my <laughs> favorites. Don't be ridiculous. <laughs> just every line he has, I was just writing them down. I just like, you know, that just, I just, he's, he's wonderful. I love that they brought him back for, um, uh, he's in both, right? Is he in the world's end as well? He's uh, it's his voice, right? Yeah, 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 yeah. I love him yeah. in as the captain in uh, in Hot Fuzz, though. That one's awesome. And to me, uh, Olivia Coleman, uh, Academy Award winner Olivia Coleman, yeah. will always be her character from Hot Fuzz. Like that's where I was introduced <laughs> to her. That's how I will remember her. So even when I see her in the favorite, I'm thinking of her in Hot Fuzz. Nothing like a bit of girl on girl. <laughs> <laughs> This is the best. Uh, do you want to just start talking about Hot Fuzz after this? You want to, we might you want to, as well. You want to turn off? We'll turn this off. We'll go watch Hot Fuzz, and then we'll come back on and start talking about Hot Fuzz. <laughs> talk about how much we love Hot Fuzz. Oh, we we take back everything we said about Shaun of the Dead. Yeah, Hot yeah. Fuzz is Hot actually Fuzz our is, favorite. Hot Fuzz is better. Yeah. It's also perfect. Um, but yeah, no, I I really I, th- I mean I think they're all great performances. But and again, you should really yeah. you should definitely check out uh, check out Black Books because um, it's before this. It's like two thousand something. Like that. I think it's it's around the same time as Spaced. Okay. Um, but Dylan Dylan Moran is really really good on that, and Bill Bill uh, Bailey is is good as well. Okay. Um, definitely recommend that one. Anything else about Shaun of the Dead you want to mention? Nothing that's <laughs> not just. You know the Chris Farley show. Yeah, right. Um, I love real quick this is a nice special effect that I uh, I also would teach in my film class is the cowboy switch that they do with the dart. 
um, when Lucy Davis throws the dart in Sean's head, uh, there's the prop of him with the dart in his head. He pulls it out, and the blood spurt, digital blood oh, spurt, comes gosh. out. Yes, he puts he puts it underneath the frame, grabs a real dart, and brings it back into the frame to point it at Lucy Davis. Um, when he says dogs can look up, right? Um, that little switch there, like when a stunt person jumps under something, so that the real actor can stand up and make it look like they did the stunt right, themselves. Right, right. right. Um, I love that. That's one of my favorite. Even all, all the wonderful effects in this movie. That's one of my favorite special effects is the dart. <laughs> um, I love that. But no, other other than just Chris Farley show stuff, this movie rules and it's perfect. And where does it rank for you with like zombie movies? Uh, I mean. At number one. <laughs> oh, for real? <laughs> yeah, okay, okay. I have no. I mean, you got to remember, my affection for the genre is not as as intense as yours. I, okay. I it, it, this. I mean, Shaun of the Dead is is Shaun of the Dead just misses, probably just misses my top five. Like, if I had to think of my top five movies in general, movies. It's period. definitely, it's definitely in my top ten. No I mean, kidding. Okay, without, without a doubt, it's definitely in my top ten. Just, I mean, again, just from the writing perspective, the yeah. way as a, as an exemplar for like a. a solid screenplay like a beyond solid screenplay like a perfect screenplay um in which everything pays off like that no for sure yeah it's 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 probably somewhere in the between number six and number 10 on my list somewhere um of all timers i, I love this movie very very deeply wow that's awesome well yeah. it was super fun talking about it with you so thank you for yeah, yeah. suggesting it yeah i know i remember I, the I, other one we were made what was the other one we were maybe gonna do uh i don't remember now i'd have to look I back at either. the Darn it. message yeah, that's all right. It was between this we'll, and something else. We'll get to it eventually. Yeah. Yeah. Silent Hill. I'm sure we'll do it yeah. again next year. Silent Hill 2. Screen Factory will release <laughs> yet another special edition. And, uh, and that's the one we'll talk about. Anyway, uh, thank you guys for listening. As always, keep doing your uh, audition. It was audition, by the way. Oh, that's right. We were going to do audition. Yes. Yeah. yes. Which would be less fun. Not to say that movie's not good, but it would be less fun to talk about. Yeah, I'm glad we did this. <laughs> Me too. Uh, please keep leaving your seven word reviews. We got a couple weeks left in Scary Movie Month, so please keep leaving your seven word reviews at at uh, fthismovie.com. Follow us on Twitter. We're at fthismovie. Like and subscribe wherever you listen to your podcasts. If you've never rated or reviewed us in iTunes, that would be great. That always helps us out, especially if you're a fan of the show. If you don't like the show, maybe just keep those negative opinions to yourself. Uh, um, thank you. Uh, and uh, email us at fthismoviepodcasts at gmail.com. Next week we'll be back with Mike Pomero and the annual franchise show. Uh, I'm excited. Yeah, me too. Thanks again, Rob. Remember, Patrick, as Bertrand Russell once said, the only thing that would redeem mankind is cooperation. Listening to FS Movie.